Global Partners for Development proudly presents What Do You Understand? A deep dive into the many facets of philanthropy and development. We will have conversations about what really works and what really doesn't. Do we know yet how to solve poverty? Are big ideas the answer, or do we need to look for small grassroots solutions? Experts in their field will discuss an aspect of their work that they understand particularly well. We will delve into how their work addresses global inequity with an honest conversation about impact. Let's talk about big bets, innovation, social enterprises, large-scale humanitarian aid and the fixation on ending things, or solving humanity's greatest problems, and the issues that arise while tackling it all. I am your host, Rhea Pullen, and my co-host is the Executive Director of Global Partners for Development, Daniel Casanova. And our guest today is Mark Casanova, the Executive Director of Homeless Healthcare Los Angeles. Hi, Mark. And hey, hey there, there's a similar last name. Is there a relation here? Yeah, there you go. Well, thank <laughs> you for having me. And yes, uh, there is, as you as you know, that's my uh, beautiful son there. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Nepotism. Thank you for letting that's us interview it. you, Dad. Okay. <laughs> this, is a, this is a surprise guest. He has no idea this was happening. Our The winter storm canceled our previous guests. So here we are. Well, I'm happy to be here. So uh, let's have this conversation. Let's have this conversation. What's one thing through your whole time working in philanthropy, what is the one thing you have learned and know particularly well? Well, as it relates to philanthropy, uh, I I actually, um, I'm a clinician by trade. So initially I hit the work from a real practical perspective. care for people. My parents were really giving, caring people, and they just passed that on to me. And my whole life, I've been just doing kind things for people every day. And um, but but in terms of that, so I, I entered the field as, a, as an expert, becoming an expert ultimately about uh, what people need to um, uh, resolve the issues or concerns, problems they had as it relates to uh, homelessness. And um, along the way, I became the director, which lo and behold, involved a lot of development, a lot of uh, fundraising. And so in my early years, actually, I was lucky enough to, to meet a, a pretty amazing development person who actually gave me the one lesson that I've carried the whole time, which is uh, development is addition. It's mm-hmm. getting one and keeping one. That's it. So you're collecting whatever it is that that can um, further uh, your mission or, you know, so it's been a pretty simple thing of adding and adding and keeping and keeping. And lo and behold, 30 some odd years later, I have a collection of donors and friends who, who support us. But, um, you know, so the exciting part of what I do, I haven't talked about homeless healthcare. I can, I, I, it's an exciting thing for me. I, come to work with a smile. I love this. And that's what I express to my donors, a a real happy view of of what it's like coming to work for a group like this, but also a a beautiful view of of what you do that, that, you know, I I can give you the cliches of how they make a difference and, you know, how uh, people's lives are changed. But uh, I, I just think it's more, more so in development, the, the energy and the excitement about what you do, because it, it's it's almost more important for them to see 
um, that this is a group that not only cares, but is really jazzed to come to work. It's all, you want to be a part of something. I think everybody, you know, no different than our clients. I did a talk on Monday about communal belonging. And, you know, in the targeted group I work with, um, we, we enforce sanctions. And, you know, it, 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 it's a group of people who have, have been um, rejected, disenfranchised, and then told what to do, told how to do it and punished. Mm -hmm. And whether it's the courts, the police, the, the criminal justice system, the, the, the shelter telling them, you know, they, if they don't change, they have to get out or uh, just about anything that the folks experiencing homelessness and who may use drugs um, get, but for homeless healthcare, it's, it's really, um, uh, having relationships are more important than forcing on these sanctions. And so yeah. that, that leads to this communal belonging that um, is really important because if you, if you can work with people who haven't belonged and they can get from us uh, something that, that promotes health and, and wellness. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I think fundraising is the same thing. It's getting people to come in in a communal way to to, to be part of something that's bigger than, than what's going on in their life. So what, what drew you to working with the homeless populations? You said 30 something years ago, what was it in your background that drew you to work with that population? Well, particular? I was sitting on a therapist's couch and <clears throat> looking at her and I thought, I want this gig. Somebody walks in and they lay, they lay down and they pay you money. <laughs> and I thought, gee, I want that job. So <clears throat> I started to do the work. I went to a shelter and I thought, eh, how difficult is it to, to help somebody find a home? And uh, lo and behold, it's really difficult. Oh, that, 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 and people don't have just one issue. They have many and a lot of barriers and access issues. And so I, I learned at, at an early going that this was where I wanted to work. And, and um, in LA, it's a big problem. So I, it was tackling a big problem that that had a lot of hope in it to to change mm -hmm. the system and to to not just give out a band-aid so to speak the the day-to-day right. -day work but be part of a bigger solution so yeah that's what drew me in into this arena of of homelessness and also so like i grew up in europe and i don't feel like i saw as much of this issue until i moved back to america is there something inherently in our systems here in america that contribute to the homeless situations that we have in a lot of our big cities? Uh, it's just a big problem, a socioeconomic, <laughs> you name it. It, it, it. It's a problem way beyond um, necessarily what we can do as, as service providers or even uh, people in society that wanna help build affordable housing and all those mm -hmm. things. It's, you know, it's kind of like that parable where with the babies coming down the river and, and uh, you know, a, a kid from the village finally standing up and because the village had created all these uh, great things to save these babies. And he says, well, why don't we just go up the river and find out where they're coming from? And similarly with homelessness, it's kind of that problem is like, let's prevent what's mm -hmm. going on and we might actually put an end to it because the problem is so deep and so uh, 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 costly that I'm not sure that we're gonna do anything more than put a dent in it and it's gonna take a restructuring and a re re remake, redo of how we look at it and what we do. And definitely in the target I do, it's uh, 
primarily around addiction. Mm -hmm. It's about harm reduction and redoing the punishment schema of what we do. We punish people and enforce sanctions and we don't uh, uh, decriminalize or, or make it an environment where people just come to it because they have to and there's no threat of arrest and there's no threat of of these kind of sanctions that kick you out of, of, of programs and exclude you and create access problems. So th there's big changes have to be made and those changes are, are not necessarily within the homeless arena. It's kind of from without, kind of up the river, so to speak, mm -hmm. and definitely in a socioeconomic way, it's, it's building enough affordable housing that, that we need and we have nowhere near. So in Europe, they have more housing and in other countries, they don't have those sanctions. Uh, Portugal, uh, the Netherlands, that uh, countries that that have already really given it great thought about public health and about uh, harm reduction and how you help people, and mm -hmm. and you don't criminalize them for being unhoused or for having addictions or or in in the U.S. for being black and brown, you know for. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. I think we need to have social justice intersect with um, harm reduction. It, it, it's this really cool intersect, social justice, public health, just boom. And, and then there's, there's a great resolution that, that we do it for the right reasons and we do it with conviction. And um, we actually decriminalize and uh, some of these things that, that force on us uh, to devote our money and our resources to help people in a public health way, get their But it's hard, it's hard, right? Because the US yeah. is punitive. I mean, I think, so from a microcosmos, if you're looking at it, just if we, if we talk about LA, right? Like in, the simple question would be like, first, like, can LA end homelessness? And then my two parts to that is, is it, or is that a dumb question? Like, is it, you know, like, is there a solution? Is there a solvable thing? Are there people that are working on it? Like, what does that timeline look like? Do you, I mean, so do you think, can you end homelessness in Los Angeles? Well, recent, it's interesting that that came up in a question yesterday. I was on a, another call. We're doing a homeless count in LA. So in, in a practical way, I could tell you in a couple day or month or so when the results come out, everybody's thinking it's increased. And meanwhile, we've devoted billion extra dollars into this issue in LA to solve or put a dent in ending it. And um, I'd like to think that all this money is going to do it, but my hunch is it's not because the, 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 the front door is as big as the, the back door. So the exit is, is, similar to the entrance and if not greater at the entrance so we're doing something wrong if, yeah. if our goal <laughs> no is to end it if it's to end it mm -hmm. you know and, and to me it's less about ending it more about um uh, going upstream and figuring out in, in in a bit different way kind of well what are the other things that we could help prevent you know it's almost easier to prevent people from falling into something than it is to devote all these resources uh, with people, multiple problems of mental health and addiction and, and health issues, really severe mm -hmm. health issues that complicate uh, somebody's life and make it even more difficult to place them in, in housing. And yeah, a lot easier, you know, we prevent 
health problems, prevent some of the fallout from addictions and, and, and try to resolve it that way. So the flow in is, is decreased and the, the flow out is increased. And yeah, when that shift happens, then I would answer, that's the long answer to say, maybe someday we'll have a solution. I don't think we have but, it right now. But doesn't it seem dumb that we can't? Like the, given the resources that are in California, that there's so much money that he can't. And then so from in my perspective, and I'm not an expert like you, so I'd be like, we can't agree on things. So like on a on a conservative side, there have been historical movements like when Reardon came into LA and moved all the homeless out of Skid Row, right? Like liberal people, like that's terrible, right? Like you right. can't like make homelessness illegal. And and the, but on the flip side, I feel like. I kind of want, I mean, I pose you like, why, why can't, why shouldn't it be legal to be homeless? Why shouldn't it be legal to not tap, not take care of people that like can't take care of themselves? Shouldn't the system take care of them? I, I think right. that obviously they shouldn't be put in jail. Right. But I, I I'm, I'm actually asking rhetorical questions. I know the answer is just like, there just aren't those resources, but I think at the right. top, right. People aren't making those choices and they don't. And I think that politicians don't know how to because people wouldn't like it right it's like oh right. we can't in america this is your to your question mm -hmm. we're, we're too punitive we're like oh no, no 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 we can't give someone all of that stuff why would we do that like they're right. lazy those are lazy people they're they're drug lazy drug addicts that's why they're homeless right. but so so my thought is like right if you think about the different people in the systems right like there's that bottom group which is i'm imagining who you work with mostly which is se severely mentally ill substance using chronically homeless people right that should be solvable but right. and so do you feel like there are initiatives in place now or there's there enough in the zeitgeist and local government that people get that to solve that part that piece of the homeless issue yes absolutely and that's what i'm saying i think there are uh really wonderful things that address um, not necessarily addiction, but definitely address homelessness and mm -hmm. the, the support that somebody needs to get off the street and, and a solution that, that, um, that has been working. It's just, there obviously is nowhere near the amount of resources being put into that to, to put a dent in it. But sometimes I think it's, it's less about the money and more about what you're saying, the the people that are making those decisions that therein lies the problem because a, a, a legislator or politician are trying to satisfy many things beyond homelessness. So they're, they're concerned about the folks that aren't homeless in their community and listening to them. And this, this NIMBY not in my backyard kind of thing really exists. And for the most part in LA, there's not a, a, an overwhelming percentage of neighborhoods that even want to deal with this problem that they, they, they just don't want it out of sight out of scene and that that is makes it even more challenging so yeah you, you, you definitely what you're saying is true a good rhetorical question that I don't have the rhetorical answer for but <laughs> I was uh, just talking to myself yes, <laughs> I, I, I mean I have all my bad ideas I mean I'm like I feel like I'm conservative and liberal and both of them be like, we should outlaw homelessness. Like we should just make it illegal. Then let the government figure out what to do with all those people. I mean, obviously well, go to the extreme yeah, that you talked yeah. about, we should just uh, put them in, put them away, 
not only arrest yeah. them, kill them, and that you can erase the problem. <laughs> I mean, well, goodness. concentration, homeless concentration oh camps. There's lots of yeah, space and, and there you Omaha, go. I mean, yeah, and in oh some ways, goodness. I really think there are people that would absolutely want to do that. Maybe not to that extreme, but definitely in a containment way to move the problem off into a rural kind of industrial. Mm -hmm. I think in the city, it's a mostly like a, it's a, it's a visual thing. People don't want to see that as they're walking down the street because right. it maybe reminds them of this other population that they have no grasp of that situation and how desperate they must be to be in that situation. And as far as population groups with um, the mentally ill and substance abuse, I've noticed, um, my dad is a veteran. That's why I grew up in Europe. Uh, do you have a lot of veterans as part of your population? Because I have noticed that when you leave the military, like they will sign you up and they will put a roof over your head and give you a gun and send you overseas. But I don't feel like there's a lot of transitioning from being in the military where they gave you all of your physical needs to when they leave the military and then now they are on their own where they've well, never that, paid rent before. Yeah, check it out. The vet population, I believe, is the one we are addressing. Okay. That, that because of exactly the way in which you described it, I think the powers that be at, at the VA, the powers that be within communities have really done a 360 in the sense of wanting to help veterans. And the, 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 the vets, uh, the, the, the lobbying arm of people that want that support have actually set uh, like a, a goal of ending it for vets. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they're using uh, VA properties and, and all the resources they have. Now, I, I don't know how, how uh, much they've accomplished in terms of it, but there, there really is that concerted effort. And to me, it's kind of like in answering Daniel's question. Um, yeah, th there are solutions. It's very interesting. And, and for a specific target, the other target is uh, women and children. There, yeah. There's a big effort. So, you know, and those tend to be the, the ones that the community kind of embraces. This one served our country, so we should mm -hmm. help them. This is a mom and her kid. We should help them. And meanwhile, the 80% of the problem is single men and men yeah. of color primarily. And it, the, the resources definitely needed to, to address that particular segment. There isn't the same kind, gentle, wonderful thought of ending right. it. But to answer your question directly, yes, I think we're headed that way. And it appears there's uh, many groups working together to do that. So you're talking about band-aids earlier. What are the band-aids that our society is putting on homeless, the homeless well, situation? Healthcare, mental health care, uh, food vouchers, immediate shelter. I, I think, yeah, we, we see a problem. We're putting our finger in the dike, so to speak, so it just doesn't leak or break okay. down. And it's not really addressing the, the, the deeper problem of ending it for some people because those resources... Uh, really are more costly. They, they, mm -hmm. they, well, there's a lot of mine are like the, and just like Bomba socks, you know? Hey, like, there you go. <laughs> no, I mean, not that homeless yeah. people don't need socks, right. but well, like... cl clothing, a hygiene center. We, we operate a hygiene center, 30,000 people a month go to it, uh, restrooms, showers, yep. laundromat facilities, but th that's just keeping people hygienically safe and, and mm -hmm. free from some of the, the problems you get for, for not keeping up your hygiene or having a safe 
place to go use a, a restroom or, yeah. you know, and, um, but band-aids just, yeah. you know, I what see. we need is those people in their own home with the bathroom and food to eat and, and uh, you know. It, Wait, people should have their own bathrooms? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Weird. And you kind of answered my question a little bit. So at Homeless Healthcare in Los Angeles, what services do you provide other than the the bathrooms you were saying? What other services do you provide for the so homeless community? We, we have a, an array of, of, of programming from outreach. We have outreach teams that go out on the street and uh, encampments, parks, alleys, uh, streets. And uh, we also have uh, uh, outreach that goes on around substance use where people and mental health, where we're in addition to reaching people who are on the street, they're, they're able to, to assess and provide a level of field-based care. We do the hygiene center, as I said, we have a syringe exchange program that uh, distributes about two to 3 million syringes a year oh, wow. out of a site that offers a really cool life-saving drug, naloxone, reverses an overdose. So we're also uh, helping people stay alive. Because one okay. thing I know for certain is if you're dead, you can't get housing. Very true. So <laughs> you have to be alive to have a house. Yeah, you have right? to be alive. And so the, the effort we need to do is to keep people alive that are overdosing on an mm -hmm. opiate. And so that's one of the absolutely huge, huge uh, uh, programming we do is around that drug naloxone, all of my programs handed out. And then we land people in, into treatment, into mental health and substance use treatment, progressive treatment. And, and lastly, we also um, provide housing programs where people can come in and, and um, continue their journey, so to speak, to, uh, that leads to permanent housing. And yeah, it's, it's a complete formula. We, we love it. We, we do trainings as well. We train people in the community how to be great uh, a social worker, case manager types. And um, lastly, advocacy. You can't just hand out these Band-Aids. You have mm -hmm. to figure out systemically how to change the system so it works better for everybody. It's that public health kind of the yeah. greater good. All of us are uh, encountering folks on the street. So it would be good to know that good public health is going on to protect our kids, to protect us, and to protect the people that are on the street. So everybody benefits from, from this good public health. Yeah. And so is there like, so to end, is there one project that you're working at, working on at Homeless Healthcare Los Angeles that you're excited about, like a new venture that you're going yeah. into? Well, we started one and it leads to another, but we pay drug users, which I love, we pay them to work for us. Oh, and they're active drug users and they do outreach. So this was a program by design that was created by drug users. It was implemented by drug users. Drug users work with other drug users who better in the community to know what, what's needed than somebody that's from the community. And then they have saved lives and, and brought support to their community. I love that program. We need to have more programming like that. It's unique. I can't think of anyone else in the US to the volume of what we're doing. It's, it's got a, a couple hundred people that are enrolled in it and you know, 40 or 50 people on a regular basis do it. But what it's leading to is the exciting program I wanna do, which is a 
safe consumption site or overdose prevention site, which is actually a place for people to come and do heroin injecting or smoke meth or inject meth. I know it sounds kind of wacky, but the thought is, is that in a public health way, people should be careful with what they put in their body and how they put it in mm -hmm. and not die from it. So the, those facilities will help keep people alive. And uh, that's where we're headed. Uh, there is legislation in California that's uh, being brought up to ultimately to the governor that Hopefully we'll sign it next year and it, it's, it's not too far off. They do it in other countries. We have a partner in Copenhagen that actually allows people to come in with cocaine, powder wow. cocaine, make it into crack and smoke it. Isn't that a novel idea? And uh, heroin and they're able to, in a safely way, uh, use and there's a shelter on site too, a hundred bed shelter that people can stay in. And it's kind of like this containment logic of if we're going to um, decriminalize it, which is what they've done, they decriminalize the simple uh, recreational use of drugs, then we need to provide a space for people to do it that's safe and a, a space for people if they want to end it or get out of it, it it's there and, and everybody wins. The community wins and people are alive and they transition into the community. And I'd love to have more of that in uh, Los Angeles. We're not uh, politically or even in our community, it's not like this is an idea that everybody is saying, oh, let's do it. But I do believe we've changed and we're headed that way. So we need to share this then with the conservative people that want to shut you down so we can make them angry and motivate them to to fight even harder. Right, yeah, because they I, I'm assuming they think you're just promoting drug use. I'm oh, assuming absolutely. that's what their thoughts are. Absolutely. And what the fact is, if you go to Portugal, who has decriminalized drugs and also offered a lot of programming for for people who use drugs and, and other countries that have looked at drug use differently, there's a reduction in drug use, a, a significant reduction, a reduction in the disease burden where HIV and hepatitis and other uh, bloodborne diseases are prevented at greater numbers than what the US does. And it's just simple things, people's uh, uh, quality of life and, and homelessness, all those numbers are decreased by changing uh, uh, just a view of, a, of, of addiction and substance use. That there I just is feel like direct... kind of on a human level, if you tell someone you can't do something because you're going to get in trouble, you're going to excessively do it because yeah. it's kind of, um, yeah. you tell a kid that. You say, you know, don't don't touch that. What are they going to do? Or the marshmallow trick. Yeah. They're going to shove both marshmallows in their mouth because someone's looking. Yeah. Well, drugs feel really good, so I just don't get why people want to feel good and do them. <laughs> hey, exactly. <laughs> you know, let me tell That's you my That's so weird. Story. Let me tell you my last little ditty. Um, sure. Years ago, I, I went to the LAPD. We did outreach programs in the jails. Uh, LA has a couple, uh, a city jail, a county jail. They're, they're busy all the time. And we were doing a program of harm reduction, which really reduces risk primarily, but it also connects people. Those are the two tenets of harm reduction. It really connects people to resources up and down. And they wanted us to meet with people who were just exiting out of jail and, and we were gonna do our harm reduction thing, lead them to a resource, but the LAPD was interested in, <clears throat> they wanted to make sure that the program 
uh, reduced recidivism, that people weren't going to commit crimes and come back to jail. And, you know, I mean, th th that wasn't necessarily our program, but I, I said, well, I do have a program that we're not operating right now, but we can, if you're interested in hearing about it, that would end recidivism. And he goes, I, I love it. The guy's name was Gentle Winter. He's a, he's, oh. I love that, that a cop is named Gentle Winter. I'm just outing him publicly. But <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, what, what, a, I don't know, is that thing called like an oxymoron, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, um, so I, I told him, I said, well, here's the program. Just don't arrest them. And then we have a program that meets your goal a hundred percent, you know, and, and it's so interesting, you know, the very thing that you want as an outcome is the very thing that they control themselves just yeah. to save the money. And these are low level crimes. These people aren't doing violent acts or, or harming other people. They're just recreationally using a substance. I mean, alcohol is legal. Come on. We had prohibition and we know mm -hmm. that didn't work. I mean, and my son, you could articulate this a hundred times better than me. Where is this going? He reads books and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have the longer history of the drug war, the war on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. On another well, um, time, this makes me think. We'll have to. Uh, I've been thinking for this podcast to have it be kind of a tag you're it. We should do another episode on drug legalization. So, like, tag well, your my friend, tag your it. Let's bring the person to talk. Let's with get us. Peter from Copenhagen, my buddy yeah. Moeller, who runs what that side. I he's one of the people behind the uh, yeah that movement in, in Denmark in Copenhagen. Yeah, it'd be cool to have somebody like him talk openly about what they do in Copenhagen. Yeah. And, you know, as a juxtapose, yeah, that, that would yeah, be Yeah, that'd be great. That's why we're doing this, just to kind of have a fresh perspective on handling all of these issues that we deal with here. But thank you so much. It was so good meeting you. I, yes. I think this yes. is adorable that you two are just such good dudes. Yeah. Good dudes, good dudes doing good things. Yeah. And, you know, so the, in closing with this, what I'd say is we're going to go back to the beginning. I, one of the things, but since this, you were on the spot, you didn't get it. One of the things that we want, I want to get people to do is not development, not philanthropy from that perspective. No. So here's my thought in your field period. What do you think is the one thing you feel the most certain about or know or understand the most? And that if you were talking to someone about that, and it's, I'm, I am putting you on the spot, it's a hard thing. Like people have joked with me like, oh, I only know about foods my six-year-old likes. Or like, you know, like I know this, but I do think that you're an expert in your field and you've said a lot of things, but right. is there ever the moments when you're, when you're like really with clarity thinking about what you understand about homelessness in LA, substance abuse, this thing, what is it? What could you tell someone where you don't feel like an ass being like, I'm really certain that this is the right thing to do, or I this is something I know. What, what I'm best at is, is articulating and knowing um, compassion and, and non-judgment in working with people. Cause that, that really is the answer that I, I tell my staff what I'm really good at, just be friggin' nice to people. I'm expert at that, expert at how it translates for clinicians in, in, who are doing therapy or um, doctors who are working in the field or anybody, whether you're a peer on the street out of 
a personal experience to a person that's been through years of college. It, yeah, I'm expert at translating that into their work. And, and that that's something I've worked at since day one. And uh, that's the vibe we have at my work. It's, it's kindness and compassion. And I love that. Yeah, we, we I love that. People. And yeah, good answer. There you go. That was fantastic. <laughs> I always said that like, the way to solve everything is the kindness and respect. I just feel like having respect for the people, respect for this planet we live on. I just, yeah. there's so much lack of respect that I feel like has made a lot of division or butting of heads or. Yeah, and, and said another, said another way is, uh, to me, you create programs that you would be willing mm -hmm. to be in. So it's an easy yeah. one. So you look at a program, you go, would I go in? And I, I, some of them <laughs> I thought, no, I ain't going to go into this crap. But <laughs> you, you yeah. design things that you yourself would would be willing and able and love to walk in. And, and that's a challenge in terms of making sure you have the resources. That's why development fundraising is such an important thing in the position I have that you got to have the money in the bucks to hire the good people and to get the resources you need for those people to be able to do their job. And you got to be kind to them too, unfortunately. No. Yeah. yeah. I All love right. that little <laughs> snippet. I love that little snippet too. That was awesome. Thank well, you so much, Mark. It was so good to meet you. I hope next yes. time we could do your interview in person. Yes, let's try to do that. Next time I'm up, we could do that too. Maybe good. we can plan it. I don't know. Hey. Yeah, let's try to get Peter. You though, did good. After. We won't make fun of you too much after. Yeah, exactly. Just a I little I'm bit. I'm gonna get up and go. Yeah, there's my old dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. Thank you. I love you, you guys too. are so sweet. I love this so much. He's my favorite. <laughs> Don't tell his brothers and sisters. <laughs> Who do I save? Okay. <laughs> Don't tell Jay. I would save James. I oh a, yeah, that's true. He's yeah. a baby. He, he's yeah. a baby. He's a baby. He's, he's a baby. young baby. He he needs to be saved. Okay. Well, thank you for giving us some of your time. I know. Okay. You and your dad are so cute. Can I start with that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just think you guys are just really great guys. Yeah. No, I'm. It's like really nice to hear him talk. I'm like, oh, you did good. I was worried for him. I'm like, Aww. what are you gonna say? What you know, what are you gonna so say, good. old man? But no, he's good. You could tell he's so passionate about what he does. Yeah. And that if only more minds were in, were in positions of power that could change things, as he said, up the river. I've thought about that so much since he said that, yeah. about instead of trying to catch the babies at the end of the river, figure out why they're being sent down the river in the first place. Yeah. So how are you, you going to fix it, Daniel? Uh, I don't know. I mean, well, the, yeah, there, there's so many pieces to the homeless crisis, um, I know that I, I mean, you know, because I'm close to my dad, I, I believe in a lot of inter his interventions. And I think he's focused on a very hyper specific population, which is like mentally ill, substance abusing people that are chronically homeless. And really, the, that population is really challenging to help get off the streets. But I think they have effective models for doing it. I think the broader scale piece is like we're talking about is like, I think that um, we need to think more about making laws at the state level that really help put experts in the right places and also fund the right types of projects and it's just going to be expensive and we know what will work i think but it just takes like 
not just building housing and getting people housed, but then having huge teams of people that can help support those people. And it's unpopular. Also, those individuals need income from the state, and people don't want to do that. What's your view on what Gavin Newsom is trying to do for the state of California to address homelessness? I mean, I, I think it's fine. I think, again, there's two. it's ineffective only because at, at city levels, there's too much resistance around what intervention to do so mm -hmm. there there's not enough it's not enough money and then also there need i mean this is a i mean we were just talking about other politics it's like the, there needs to be a focused solution so like even if it's the wrong solution we need to like get all get behind one idea for how to do it and then see if that works or doesn't work what happens is i think that we don't agree and it's it's all fissured what, is, and what are the partisan sides what are the partisan sides what does the left say about homelessness and what does the right say about homelessness well I mean, I, I, they're, they're, well, so here's, so the left problem I see is that they're like, oh, people have a right to be homeless if they want to, right? And so I think that there's, and there's different ideologies that kind of fit in that generalization. And the problem with that is I'm like, no, I don't think people should be allowed to live in unsanitary, unhealthy mm -hmm. conditions where they need mental health treatment or substance use. Right. Like we, it should be like not not in the way that the right thinks about it, but homelessness should be outlawed. You should not be allowed to live in a tent camp, right? Like we don't, yeah. like we should at least have refugee camps. So like then on the right side though, is they're more this like Horatio Alger story kind of thing of like, oh, and those people are lazy. Like we, there's, there's the worthy poor that we should be helping, which are people that are like, you know, like, mothers and children that's what i said like, about the vets and the yeah. mothers and children but whereas like 70 plus percentage of the homelessness are single men yeah and so those people i mean things with the right would be is they're not worthy of it like or they don't need to be homeless right they could work look at all these jobs that are out there like they just need to stop being lazy yeah is it more <laughs> just like it's not even about being lazy do they understand about the being unwell mentally or having substance abuse issues and if you haven't been touched by that you don't understand is yeah. that what it is because i feel like the left is more bleeding heart trying yeah. to like understand why they are living the way they are and the right is you could just get over it yeah right? i mean i think it's kind of like that, that. Like that. yeah and i think that the but i think where the left could meet the right is i think that there are these interventions, like we should outlaw. I think that the the right solution is like, oh, the police should be doing this, right? But homeless people don't need to be in jails. We don't need no. to criminalize it at that extent, but we need to like criminalize it with compassion so that there's mm. there's this like system for people to go through. And then that's where it gets complicated in politics is then there needs to be the funding and then there needs to be the expertise, right? You need to then have like lots of social workers, a lot of mental health providers, lots of people that are good at housing or really difficult type of population and then recognize that those people are going to move in and out of services. But it's going to be cheaper overall than like frequent flyers that are, you know, right. inundating our emergency rooms and stuff like that. It's a lot to think about. It's too much. It's depressing. And, and there's people on the ground thinking about this all the time, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. a matter of it actually getting done. Yeah. But but I mean my my closing thing and I know my dad would agree with me is like we're just too wealthy of a state, even if we're just going to talk about California, where there is enough wealth here and enough intelligence to manage and mitigate this problem. And it's not, so that's the part of it that's asinine for it not getting done. But And you digress. Okay. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, good that's job, Brian. Super Brianna. helpful.
At Global Partners for Development, our mission is to advance community-led initiatives that improve education and public health in East Africa. We envision a world in which every East African community has the capacity to implement dynamic, sustainable solutions to the challenges they face. To learn more, visit gpfd.org.